Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, holistic veterinarian and owner of Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in Chicago's northwest suburbs. Dr. Carlson's quotes appear in dozens of publications you can find on the internet, including MarthaStewart.com, PetMD, RoverMD, and many others. Dr. Carlson practices a blend of Eastern and Western medicine and customizes treatments for each individual pet he sees in practice. We also have an unconventional name for this podcast, but we decided to have a little fun with our topic. The term woo-woo kind of pokes fun at what we do, but to us, it's just this little like tongue-in-cheek way of having a little fun with holistic medicine. Really, we want to bring the science to the woo-woo. You know, because my practices encompass everything from acupuncture, acupressure, to you know, traditional Chinese veterinary medicine, herbal therapy, and the most useful tool for me is BioScan. Mm-hmm. BioScan, a uh, biofeedback uh, type system that we use. Um, and then we do a ton of still conventional medicine. We do. We want to use functional medicine to integrate both to get the pet out of pain and discomfort, Mm -hmm. but we also want to use the patient, remember the patient, to heal itself as well. So we're really integrating both sides of medicine together. Okay. So today we're going to discuss the benefits of green-lipped mussels. This little fishy-smelling mussel is revolutionizing pet care, and it's a name you'll be seeing frequently in pet products. And we'll discuss other ways of lowering your pet's inflammation risks with omega-3 fatty acids. Those are pretty commonly prescribed in animal hospitals, so we're going to talk about those as well. Um, Today we're spending some time on a topic that affects all of our pets, and honestly all of us as humans. It's a serious issue that we're all just sort of kind of learning about, especially Especially in pet care. A couple of years ago, we had three dogs and their owner that came in for a holistic appointment. And the pets lived next to a farm field and happened to be outside when the field was sprayed with Roundup. This is, you know, really common in big ag states, but these pets and their owner all got really sick. They did. The first uh, pet that came in was uh, the a little male dog, uh, extremely ill, um, too far advanced. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't survive, but the other two uh, followed up and were extremely sick. We were able to catch them in time, and uh, and they actually survived and did very well. Um, also, the owner, uh, through holistic program, was similar to ours, also got better, and so they're all doing very well after uh, after a lot of treatment, a lot of work. So after their exposure, they had high temperature. What else? They were very weak, pale gums. Uh, they were not eating, very thin, dehydrated. Really? Um, had swollen lymph nodes. Oh, really? Serious uh, exposure. Very, very then. serious. So that brings us to our next guest, a very special one, Dr. Barbara Royal. Her name is synonymous with excellence in holistic pet care. Dr. Royal has a well-known and very well-regarded practice located in Chicago, where she even treats Oprah's dogs. She's also here today representing the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association to discuss the group's statement on glyphosate and also GMOs. We're going to talk about those today, too. Hi, Dr. Royal. Thanks uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule for us. And tell us a bit about why the AHVMA 
felt it necessary to make a statement about glyphosate and GMOs? Well, I think it's just been really, really important overall. I think it's for all of us. We're getting to the point where we really cannot ignore what's going on with glyphosate in this country. Um, I think it's some right now in, from farms and all across the country, there are over 185 million pounds of glyphosate being applied in, on all of our products that all of us are eating. So if, if we're not paying attention to it, you know, ourselves for every animal, including ourselves, I think we're going to be in trouble. It is actually it's been proven to be a, a problem for our health and it's, it's being, dis- being put on all of our food. So our pets are being much more strongly affected. I think par- partially because they're going to be in places where um, it's not just in their food, but they're also going to be on lawns and, you know, their nose is down there in, in this product a lot of the time. So um, it's something that we really have to pay attention to. Okay. So, you know, we heard the story about the three dogs that were on the fence line and the owner. The owner also became Mm -hmm. seriously ill. So it's people, it's animals, uh, and they're getting this from their food? Yeah. Because not everybody lives in in a big ag state. Yeah. I know. And you would think, you would think, oh, you know what, I I get my food from the the grocery store and it's not going to have that in there. Um, somehow you think someone is watching out for you and making sure that it's not in the food, um, that the FDA is, is looking at it. But but there isn't a lot of oversight in terms of the glyphosate uh, content in a lot of food. And particularly the foods that are the most affected are the foods that are very high in a lot of kibble dog foods. So that's part of our problem is that we're seeing... Um, you know, a lot of the kibble foods tend to have a lot of grain and, and beans, and those are the highest um, concentration of glyphosate um, sprayed on those, on those particular crops. And, and that's because those, those are plants, there's GMO plants that are in, that, in those families that are designed to survive glyphosate so they can use it as a, as a weeding technique and make it easier to harvest. In addition, oh, okay. those plants are the ones that are, are sprayed directly before harvest, like right before harvest. They will spray those plants to make, make the plants have no greenery and make it much easier to harvest the legumes and the grains. Um, but that means that there's glyphosate just directly on those foods. It's as if you're you know, pretty much spraying it in the mouth of the animal that's going to eat it later. Oh, wow. Or the person, I guess. Um, so well, how, yeah. Does, yeah, <laughs> how does an owner really understand What's in their pet's food? What's happening? If, if there's no oversight yeah, in the U.S., what do you do? Yeah, it, there, there are a, a lot of good ways, actually, to, to help your pets. You can do testing. There, there is a, um, it's, I think it's about $99 um, for a test through the Health Research Institute. Uh, veterinarians can you know, take urine samples uh, from an animal and send it in. Uh, pet owners can do it themselves. And it's the Health Research Institute Laboratories, and they are doing this testing. With, they can do it on as much as about, you know, like a tablespoon of urine. So you can send that in and find out the levels. They've been finding, unfortunately, in animals, these levels have been really high. Um, the typical, you know, typical levels um, in humans um, have been relatively high, but they found it it's significantly like three times higher uh, levels in the animal urines that they've been Ooh. testing. And they're above what would be considered safe. Oh, really? So, uh, so, so over, problem, you know, yeah. other than like standing like right by a farm field and obviously these dogs yeah. that we have treated were sprayed. But in fact, veterinarians all over the country are treating dogs with glyphosate levels that are pretty high. And mm-hmm. what kind of effect does this have long term? Yeah, part of our problem with the glyphosate issue is that 
because I, if you don't know what glyphosate is, this is it, I, I'll, maybe I'll go through that really briefly. But glyphosate mm-hmm. is a it's an herbicide that was originally used to uh, clean out industrial pipes. So that was the chemical mm-hmm. uh, formulation, um, and it was it was because it actually um, will chelate the metal ions and clear the pipes. It makes them um, it bind to the product, so then it will come out through the pipe, and then you've got a clean pipe because it's taken all of these weird metal uh, deposits out of the pipe. Well, they found when they sprayed that onto fields, it killed everything in sight. I mean, it killed all the plants, it killed everything. They're like, oh well, we can sell this as an herbicide. So um, <laughs> that's sort of the idea behind it, and and the problem with it is that it it is binding insolubly the chemicals, um, the, I mean, it'll bind these, these metal ions. So those include things like, you know, potassium or calcium or magnesium or zinc or copper, iron, uh, manganese, selenium. These are all really important ions that are used in enzyme systems, immune systems, um, all throughout, you know, mammals. So we spend a lot of time, you know, now we're talking much more about nutrition and veterinary medicine. It's been terrific. You know, we talk about balancing the foods, making sure we're meeting the minimum or maximum requirements for AFCO or NRC or FEDIAF, whatever, whatever, wherever you live, whatever's the, you know, the system. We're, We're looking at those things and making sure the foods are as balanced as they can be. But we're not paying attention to the fact that maybe in that food is a chemical that is making these, you know, good nutrients completely unavailable for the body to absorb or use. Mm. So it's just like having a food that's, that's completely unbalanced and doesn't have any iron or selenium in it. And so then the damage, because these enzyme systems are, are they're all kinds of different enzyme systems in the body, it's hard to know that damage, you know, what's causing it. Is it one thing or is it because you've got no selenium, suddenly you have cancer or you're messing up a system in your endocrine system so that you've got um, infertility or kidney disease or, you know, all of the different things that have been proven now. They've done papers and papers, I think, since the ones that I looked at were, were pretty relevant from 2011 until now um, about all of these different systems that can be affected by glyphosate just by the fact that it's binding insolubly these ions that are really important in the metabolic systems there. So, mm. you know, it, it can cause so much different types of damage that, you know, we'll see an animal with allergies and we don't realize what that really is, is a glyphosate problem because it can affect the gut microbiome so much it makes it hard for the animal to absorb properly. Mm-hmm. That um, was kind of know, my next question was the, yeah. Uh, yeah. how it does affect the gut microbiome because that's one of the biggest symptoms. Yeah, it does a lot of damage to the gut microbiome. It, it can create antibiotic resistance. It, it changes the way that the bacterial flora exist in the in the GI tract. Not a lot of people know that the digestion process isn't really by your in, you know your cells in your body. It a lot of it is done. About seventy percent of it is done by different species of of bacteria. And if you deplete that those bacteria or cause some of them to either be you know really really diminished or extinct or overgrown, so it's the same thing if you have a resistant, you know, and bacteria that's resistant to glyphosate and that overgrows because the other ones get damaged by glyphosate, you can create some serious problems in digestion. And that can mean, again, that maybe you have really great food, but you don't have the bacteria to digest it and, and give it to your body. Mm-hmm. So these Does are that things that are, you know, they... Leaky gut yeah. syndrome then? Leaky you're talking gut. Leaky gut. Um, yeah, and a lot of people those will diagnose, proteins, you know, kind of like escaping. The digestive yeah, exactly. tract. That's correct. 
exactly. So you're creating a system where there's there's not the proper lining of the GI tract. You'll get holes and problems there that the, the GI tract is sort of randomly absorbing things that it shouldn't, and you'll end up with allergies or, or you know, hypersecretion, diarrhea problems, chronic thickening of the GI tract as it tries to react to weird bacteria. So, and these are things that then we look at and say, oh, this dog has, you know, IBD when in fact it's having a reaction to a chemical that's in its food. So what kind of diets, I mean, the, um, the owner could say, well, I'm feeding a really good diet and still have problems. So if, yeah, would a raw diet be maybe be more appropriate or is you seeing some problems even with those? Well, it's been interesting for me. I mean, I'm sure like you, Dr. Jim, we, we've been sort of doing this quite a while. And, yeah. you know, we, we really want animals to eat balanced, fresh foods. I mean, that's just, that makes sense, you know, rather than having something that's been put into a kibble form. And then we're adding a lot of different types of carbohydrates. And in those carbohydrates, we'll see a lot of glyphosate. So that's the beans and the, and the grains. So the problem is, you know, we want them to eat the fresh foods. But now what I've found is I've had a lot of animals that have changed over to even a you know, what they think is a reasonably good quality raw food um, that's mm-hmm. balanced and commercially available, but it's not organic. And a lot of the different, like the meats even will have glyphosate in them. Um, some of the uh, vegetables or things that are put in there might have some uh, some glyphosate in there. And so those animals, the really sensitive animals, I, I need them to take a step up and get a fresh, balanced, organic food. And the reason that organic works is that it wouldn't allow that type of a chemical to be sprayed. It wouldn't allow those animals to be eating foods that contain, you know, if you're a cow and you're eating grains that are, you know, full of glyphosate, well, that's going to be in your, in your system, in your meat and in your fats, it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And so when your, your dog or cat eats that particular meat, it's going to be in there. So I have some animals that are just not really responding quite as well to going just to a raw food. I'm like, all right, well, now we have to take it up a, a step and make it a raw organic food and see what that does. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can detox them well enough with that for a while that they then can bounce back and forth to maybe a more inexpensive raw food and back and forth to something that's not organic. But you need to have that detox time to get them there. Okay. Yeah, it's so hard because just like you say, there's if they're feeding the GMO-based food to the animals and that's in the dog food, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no labeling or any way to know, uh, yeah. it's really difficult to just find that. That uh, I, I, I encourage owners to maybe go with grass-fed animals, you know, it's maybe being a, a, the, the best source. What do you think? Yeah. Grass-fed is really terrific. I mean, that's that's the word. People go to um, free-range, but that's not the same thing. Free-range means that, you know, in the building they opened a door somewhere in case the animals wanted to go yeah. out, but they don't know yeah. how to do that. So, you know, <laughs> uh, grass-fed pat- Yeah, it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the help. Um, yeah. But the pasture-raised um, animals, that's those are, those are the kinds of words you're looking for when you're talking about a, a meat. You want them to be... It's also just, you know, we all love animals. This is, you know, your audience is going to be an animal-loving group, right? So we all love animals. Well, let's love the food animals that are feeding our pets. Let's not support a system that makes them, you know, live in small cages and never get out and, and have a terrible life um, full of chemicals and things just to keep the infections in the in the uh, in their cages at bay. This is not what we should be doing, certainly not as veterinarians and, and not as pet lovers. So let's look at where the sourcing of, of the foods that we're buying, where does that come from? Let's make sure that that um, 
that doesn't that doesn't affect our animals and it also doesn't affect the food animals. I think that that would change the world by itself if we all just even if we just ask. If you you may not know, but go to the pet store and when you're there buying a food, say, hey, could you could you find out from the the manufacturer of this where this food is sourced? Hmm. You know, is this industrial farms yeah. or is this from a place where they have you know some animals that are pasture raised? So we can look at that. And you know, the other thing is there is for three hundred dollars. You can send food into this um, the Health Research Institute. They'll test the food for you. So, so oh, that's really? possible too. They'll, they'll yeah, they, they're, it's a it's a it's a lovely lovely. The, the man who runs this is um, I remember his name. Sorry, um, Larry Bolin. He's terrific. <laughs> um, and in fact, that would be a, an interesting person to interview. Um, but uh, he's he's doing really great work um, testing soil, testing um, water. He, you can test your water for it. It's in water. It's the problem is it's it's sort of everywhere. And I think our pets are, you know, getting the the lion's share of it just because of the nature of where they live in sort of the, the column of air. They're going to be down low after you know grasses are sprayed. They're going to be walking in it. It's, this is something that's a, it's a chemical. It'll be landing on the ground, and they're picking it up, licking their feet. You know, it's it's not great. Yeah, no, it isn't. So the other part of this paper that the AHBMA went out and did was also including GMOs. So could you just explain, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, just as a little refresher what GMOs are (laughs) and how that's affecting pets. People really don't understand what GMO means in our world. Now, I understand that it's genetically modified organism. That's really what we're talking about. And people say, oh, you know what? Well, you know, we genetically modify our own pets by making them into, you know, a bulldog versus a wolf. But <laughs> but that's not the same thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about you know, breeding. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, but we're not, right. we're not talking about, we're talking about really specifically they're designed for a thing. So a genetically modified organism can be fine if you're doing it, you know, just if, if people are working on it for, for different, there's lots of different reasons they might do that. But unfortunately in agriculture, I think, you know, over 90% of the genetically modified plants are, are made genetically modified specifically for a reason. And the reason is to be able to survive being sprayed with glyphosate. So if you have a GMO plant, the reason why you did that was to make it able to withstand this horrible chemical. So other plants around it die. It's an easy way to weed, and then you can um, grow just this plant. So that problem is that that means that this plant is going to be sprayed (laughs) with this chemical, and when you eat this plant, it will have that in it, particularly Mm -hmm. if it's sprayed right before harvest, but even, even if it's not. I mean, that's even just putting aside the fact that then you're spraying large tracts of plants that are GMOs. What is that doing to the soil? What's it doing to all the other plants? Are weeds necessarily just bad or are we creating a desert of, of you know, which I wouldn't even call it a desert because deserts are more alive than what you see after a, a field that's been sprayed with glyphosate. So it, uh, we're, we're destroying the planet. We're destroying a lot of things by, by overusing pesticides. And there are much better ways to use what's out there and, I mean, and have an organic farm, have, have farms that use really natural ways to give back to the soil rather than deplete the soil when you're creating these, these delicious plants for us to eat. So GMO plants 
are really designed for one thing. They are modified in a way that also alters their nutritional value. And I, I believe that that's something we're going to find out more and more about. There, there are tests that, that talk about that. It's still, I mean, I, I guess I'd have to say that's, um, you know, allegedly alters their nutritional value. Um, it's becoming to me very clear in the, in the research that I'm seeing coming out of um, a lot of different countries. But so that's part of it. And part of it is you're going to be eating something that's going to have glyphosate in it if it's a GMO. Yeah, it's, I, I find it interesting, you know, in, in the long term, what nutritional value, because I remember growing up on the farm, a lot of the weeds that we would spray um, with herbal medicine later on, I found out, wow, those, a lot of those plants had medicinal value, <laughs> you know, so you're They're right. They're amazing. It, they are. I mean... Uh, all the ones that I we called noxious weeds were, were actually, especially burdock. I, I mean, that's so many wonderful things oh, it man. does. Yeah. Love burdock. You know, yeah. dandelions in my yard. You know, my neighbors are always like, really? <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. you know, we're going to use them. But it's not only that. It's that they're also helping the soil. So we're finding problem, more and more problems with our soil, with what's happening in the soil, with the kinds of plants that are being produced. You know, they're deficient in selenium. They're deficient in the, 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 the foods themselves are becoming more and more deficient. And when we, when we create soils that are dead like this, they're not only just dead, but they're not aerated. The tap roots of a dandelion aerate the soil for you. The, um, you know, the way that the nitrogen gets put back into the soil when you have these wonderful weeds and they, they keep the soil, the, the biome, the, the bugs, the worms, the, you know, they're feeding all of that. That's what the, the planet has done for I don't know how long, but longer than I can remember. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. The planet mm-hmm. makes right. plants and makes it makes everything that we need right here. It makes it, and, and we they're think great for that, butterflies you know, too. with our own, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> and bees, we need those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can't even start talking about bees, or I'm going to start crying. But um, I know, you know, yeah. I know, I know. It's a um, thing, but we can so, fix this. We can fix this. It's possible. The, the detox possibilities are absolutely out there. Healthy soils, things like that. There's so much we can do to detox our animals and get them off of this. People don't even realize how simple that is. So, what's your advice you know, to somebody I, who you know yep. can't really afford, you know, to maybe even buy all organic food for themselves, much less their mm-hmm. pet? So, you know, what's your advice to somebody who's really trying but may not have the resources to spend on an all-organic diet? Yeah, I think I, I think it's a multiple-pronged uh, problem. One is I think we are led to believe that we can't afford it, and I don't think that's always true. So just, you know, okay. starting there and really looking at your budget and deciding how often are you, you know, going out to a coffee shop or a fast food place and what are you spending versus, you know, what's happening with, with that food. So that's one thing. And, and, and really reevaluate which things you think you can buy or can't buy for your pet. I have a lot of people who come in and say, I can't afford even doing fresh raw food. But then we go through, they're buying different freeze drives and they're buying treats and they're buying all kinds of different things. And they're spending a lot of money on, on pesticides and chemicals and things like that. I'm like, okay, just let's try to reevaluate your budget. So that's mm-hmm. one. And really think about that. I think it's important for all of us to think about that and think about what we're really spending rather than what we think we're spending. So then, and then the second thing is you can do a lot. I mean, if you want to buy a food that's less expensive, but you want to add in, you know, even some of you know, what we've done for millennia, add in your own leftovers. People, you know, right. veterinarians like, don't put leftovers <laughs> in your dog food. I'm like, are that's you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What does that mean? 
So, you know, right. eggs or sardines or your leftover meats, and if it's not cooked, even better. You know, they're made to eat fresh meat, and, you know, they're, they're made to eat a, a rabbit out in your backyard that's, you know, if it's covered in maggots, oh, that's even fine, too. Their stomach yeah, can right. handle it, believe me. Oh, they me. love that. Yeah. They would love that. Oh, I, just, the better, oh, I can't know. even tell you what I've seen. <laughs> but the fact is they're, they're fine. And so you can do that with your pets as long as you help their biome. So what you're going to want to do is sort of restore their biome a little bit. Fermented foods help with that. They've got tons of bacteria. So, you know, something as simple as a little sauerkraut in their food, doing some eggs and a sardine a few times a week can drastically improve their health. If you, you know, grind up some fresh greens and put it in or, you know, there's a lot of ways to really just help a bad diet, you know, that's going. I also say, with people. I have, I have an organic farm in Michigan um, where my husband's a farmer. That's what he does. So we have the soil from that organic farm. Well, I, I bring it to my clinic and put it in little vials and hand it out to people and say, sprinkle this on the food because it's organic sure. soil. You know, right. you can do that. You can sprinkle it on your pet. You can, you can, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get them to get back their bacterial biome, you know, without having to buy fulvic acid or humic acid, things like that, that people use for detoxing. It's not that difficult. Difficult. Go to a field that's not been sprayed and let your dog roll around. You know, if you have a cat, you can sprinkle a little of that dirt in their in their kitty litter. I mean, oh, they'll dig idea. in it. They'll lick it off their feet. They'll get better bacteria. So those are the kinds of things that people can do actively. And then try not to spray your lawns and, you know, let let your lawn be more natural. And when you're walking your dog... If you see dandelions in that yard, they can run in that yard. If you see that it's a perfectly green yard um, with no weeds whatsoever, you might want to steer clear. Mm, do. So if, if a pet, if, if you send the urine out and it does come back with glycophysate, is, is yeah. there a specific remedy for that that you like to use to get rid of it? Yeah, I mean, and I, I was fascinated by a study that is on the health um, the Health Research Institute, um, one of the guys who worked there ate a lot of foods that had glyphosate in them, had really high levels, tested himself, and then he stopped eating foods that had glyphosate in them, which is the number one thing, right? So you need to stop eating those foods, so you have to not feed. I would absolutely just get off any kind of kibble food if they can do it. That's the number okay. one thing. And okay. then if you just do some of these things like um, some fermented foods or probiotics to help the GI tract, you can do even some charcoal or bentonite clay for a, for a week or two to help clear out some of the toxins from it. Mm-hmm. And then do a very good, you know, as organic as you can, absorbable, balanced, fresh food diet, um, and then some, some soil. Um, the, the numbers were dramatically reduced within days. I mean, it was wow. amazing. It was so good. And I'm like, the body wants to heal. The body doesn't want that in there. It'll yeah. get rid of it, but then you have to keep it out. He went out to, he said he went out to an Italian restaurant and ate a whole bunch of pasta that he knew was not organic and whatever, and then he saw his level spike again. And wow. the problem wow. with that is, it's, yeah, yeah. And it's a really, yeah. you can see it on this chart. It was pretty cool. But, wow. and then he, and then he detoxed himself again, but he's, he's careful. He makes sure, you, you know, he's pretty good. You don't have to be the person who's always, you know, perfect with your pet. But it is useful to keep those levels as low as possible because this is not something, you know, 75 years ago or 100 years ago, you know, my, my, my grandparents didn't have to worry about this. And people say, oh, it's so over the top to have to worry about this so much. I'm like, it's not, it's not our fault. We're not, we're not, it, food should just be food. 
It's just avoiding right. the things that people have started adding to the foods is our problem. It's not that dog food was always just kibble food's always been okay, you know, and it's the same now. It's not. It's gotten worse and worse and worse, and now we do need to pay attention. Yeah, yeah that's definitely something I think people forget. Is It, it, it yeah. was kibble food. It was there for a reason. It started, wasn't it, like in the 30s or something like that? And it's the you war, know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, during the war. And yeah. now... During the war, they um, had to use the cans. The can, they couldn't make cans anymore. For you know, mm-hmm. It's like apple. It used to be a, a good food because it was byproducts of meat and things. And now most of the canned foods have so many other things added to them. They're just not the same foods anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's a way for these companies, I mean, I, I, to, to, to make... They're making billions of dollars. And they, they, it doesn't really matter if it's, if it's making animals sick or not. Right, the, and the old corporate attitude. Oh, well, yeah, so I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, you put the chemicals together, you can make it taste yeah. like anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, totally. well, that's the hey, thing, I just right? wanted to ask you a, a yeah. couple mm-hmm. questions. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your book? The cover is so cute, and it has, like, elephants and a bunch <laughs> of different animals. Do you treat uh, zoo animals and yeah. that kind of thing? yeah. Yeah, I've done that, that for years. I've I've consulted at the at both Lincoln Park Zoo, Brookfield Zoo, and the Shedd Aquarium. So um, it's been an interesting combination of things. I worked there before I went to vet school, so I got to know a lot of the people in the zoo medicine. And then I worked out in Seattle at, at um, the zoo out there. So you know, being able to hand raise a tiger sort of changes your whole view of oh, everything yeah. to do with medicine. <laughs> you know, it, it was new, nut- right? It was nutrition. It was everything. But then there's you know, when you know you're raising one of only 500 Sumatran tigers in the world, and you know, I had to bring that tiger to my house like that. <laughs> wow. Crazy. But I was, <laughs> wow. I was helping to, right? So I'm <laughs> helping to hand, hand raise this little, you know, 25 pound, oh my gosh, cutest kitten in the world. Um, at the same time, if I fed it the wrong food or did the wrong thing to it and it died, that's, that's horrifying. But that's the same way we all feel about our pets. You know, mm-hmm. so it was, just, you know, it really brought home to me how important husbandry is because in zoo medicine and in wildlife medicine, um, if you don't feed them the right foods, you don't do the right things to them, they will not reproduce or, or die pretty quickly. And we, unfortunately, with dogs, we have scavengers and they'll live through all kinds of horrible things. They'll eat mm-hmm. really bad food and keep living, but they, they definitely don't thrive. So it's the same thing with like, I did a zebra, I did acupuncture on a zebra who had seizures. And we did acupuncture for that. And it took a while for me to get the zebra used to me coming in and doing the acupuncture. Um, it also had some arthritis, so we, we dealt with that as well. But what I found out while we were doing the acupuncture, and because we, we'd significantly helped the seizures, I mean, it was pretty amazing how dramatic that change was with just the acupuncture. Um, yeah. And, you know, they couldn't give it medications because they didn't know how a zebra would respond to medications. So they couldn't use oh. the pharmaceuticals on a lot of these animals. So you're trying to do holistic ways to, to treat them, which is which is why, it, it, you know, holistic and, and integrative medicine in zoo, zoos is so great. But what was so interesting about this zebra was because of the seizures and because of the arthritis, this zebra was the one that was most likely to come over and interact with humans. So... The reason why things got worse, we believe, is that, you know, donors or, or special people who'd come and want to meet the zebra would come over and they would feed them hamburger buns. Oh. So this animal was getting, I believe, you know, way too many grains, way too many sugars. And that's just absolutely a no-no when you've got seizures, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, right. Yeah. the number oh, one wow. thing you try to avoid. And, <laughs> and arthritis, Right. So when we figured that out and slowed that down too, um, you know, with, with the acupuncture, the seizures had decreased from, you know, pretty, pretty regularly, many, many times a week to, you know, a few times a month. And then we did 
we changed the diet, like maybe six months later when I finally, I found that out and I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then they changed that. They they went almost to zero. It was great. So anyway. That's amazing. Well, we want to volunteer to go be your your helpers when next time you go do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Dr. Barbara Royal uh, from the Royal Treatment Veterinary Center.com. You can also get more information about holistic veterinarians at ahvma.org. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. And uh, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of pet news that's been going on, um, how to spot a scam in the holistic industry, the top pet names, and we're going to talk a little bit about green-lipped mussels as well. We'll see you in a bit. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
you are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. Um, We have a Facebook page going, Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Fed Advice. Uh, We just kind of have a little bit of fun on there sometimes. And uh, so I just want to let you guys know that that's uh, one of the things that we have going. Um, We also have uh, a little bit of pet news today that we're going to talk about. Wanted to thank Dr. Royal again for being with us. She was a fantastic guest in our first half hour. so right now, Delta Airlines is offering a super new amenity-filled pet crate that'll let you take your pet with you while tracking its crate through GPS. But this trip is going to cost you to the tune of, I can't even believe it, $850 one way. Wow. Yeah, the crate is called the CarePod and offers a triple locking door. Um, it offers a built-in no-spill water bowl and uh, GPS tracking. It's insulated to help stabilize the temperature inside too. Very nice part about this is that the Delta Cargo Control Center supervises every CarePod pet trip 24-7. So all day and all night to make sure, you know, that you have what you need. Um, And then um, you can check it on your cell phone too so you know where your pet is in relation to you and if that's where they're supposed to be. You do have to arrive really, really early if you're going to use this. Delta wants a three-hour advanced time to check in your pet. So it's not just the two, it's the three now. And you can find this service at only eight major airports so far across the United States. 8.50 one way. What a ride. That's, that's that a sounds ride. Like it's really it's, cool. It is a know. very nice system. I did uh, preview it. Yeah, it's beautiful, but it is, you know, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it'll get better as, as it becomes yeah, more popular. Yeah, probably more popular. Just, yeah. yeah. Uh, so an alleged snake oil salesman was busted by the feds for offering a cancer cure for pets. The Department of Justice says the Pennsylvania man was indicted for wire fraud and other charges for marketing drugs called Tumexol and Nurturazone to desperate pet owners. The claims for the products included their effectiveness against a wide variety of cancers. How would you spot somebody or something that wasn't really that legitimate? Well, any of the herbal products have not been researched to be able to claim that they do anything to cure. So that's the first flag. Okay. You know, if it's not FDA approved, then it's not been clinically researched to be effective against the disease process. However, you know, the claim was that it just helped to alleviate signs of cancer, then you can probably get by with that. But his claims were to cure cancer, and you can't say that. You can't okay. say that you can cure anything with with uh, all right with uh, supplements that aren't researched. Well, I just feel like a lot of people, you know, are so desperate to help their animal, mm. and they, you know, maybe they've been to a lot of places and they're just not getting any solutions, or you know, whatever. And they're you know looking around on the internet trying to find things, you know, and you can't blame them for doing that. But you do have to have a little caution. You do because uh, it often gives false hope, and I think the the biggest thing that you can do is just always treat the patient, you know, mm-hmm. give the patient the best resolve it can to support itself mm-hmm. uh, to get better along with the help of the medication. I think pain relief 
you know, in maintaining the appetite. I've always heard it said that if a sick animal that won't eat can't get better. Mm-hmm. So as long as they're eating, they have a chance of getting better. So always good nutrition, as we talked about earlier with Dr. Royal, you know, making sure that uh, we have good, clean food that's going in the system. Oh, okay. And finally, trained dogs are putting their incredible sense of smell to another good use. These dogs are sniffing out a bacteria that's damaging citrus crops. The disease called citrus greening affects oranges, lemons, and grapefruit crops in California, Florida, and Texas. The researchers say that the animal's nose might be an age-old gift, but is better than any current method of analysis. That's amazing. <laughs> I wish I had my nose like that, you know. No, I'm glad you don't. Um, <laughs> so on our awesome woo-woo holistic vet advice page, we have this really cute thing about candy hearts from cats, okay? So you know how the candy hearts always have the little conversation that's printed on the front of them, you know? A little Valentine candy heart. So here's the ones the cat the cat would give you. I didn't notice you come in. <laughs> You're tolerable. I dislike you less than most. <laughs> my favorite is that scratch will heal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds so like a cat. You know, it does. It sounds exactly perfect. like it. All right. Um, we also have uh, an update on some of the most popular names, and they're really duking it out at the top for dogs and cats. Everybody's top cat and dog names are between Bella and Luna. So, seeing a lot of Bella and Lunas. Um, we, for dogs, see Bella, Max, Lucy, Luna, Daisy, Charlie, Bailey, and Buddy. Now, Buddy used to be the most popular dog name. Yeah. We used to have dozens and dozens and dozens of Buddies. A lot of Buddies. I think for us in this clinic, we have a lot of Maxes and we do have a lot of Charlies. I would say Bailey, but I almost think Buddy has kind of fallen off the list, our list of most popular names in the clinic. Yeah, probably the worst. For boy dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For girl dogs, Bella's still pretty popular. Um, Luna, I don't hear all that much. Lucy, I hear quite a bit. Um, Daisy is super cute. I love that name. And for kitties, Luna and Bella. Oliver. I think one of our cats at one point was named Oliver, but they have a lot of different names. (laughs) I don't even know which cat was named Oliver at one point because they always have new names made up every five minutes. Um, Lucy, Charlie, Max, Milo, and Kitty. Um, Max, I think, is a pretty popular cat name here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very good name. I also like Bob. 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have some Bobs. Yeah. It's a pretty good cat name. Yeah. <laughs> they know how to answer to the, to nope. the one-syllable names. And the so. funny one the other day I really liked, too, is a dog was named Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have booked that appointment. Like, your dog yeah. is named Kevin. <laughs> he's a wonderful dog. He's a little naughty, but he was a wonderful dog. Yeah, he's, that's there. really cute. Yeah. All right. Well, a new trend in pet care is showing up in products all over, and it might be the next new superfood for pets. And the new thing is green-lipped mussels. These little ocean life forms come from the coast of New Zealand, and their hallmark feature is the little green lips on their shell. It's super pretty in the wild. Mm-hmm. Besides being a cute version of a muscle, the green lip muscles are actually very special and are changing the pet industry. Now, we've been hearing about these for a few years in the industry. Why are green lipped muscles the newest trend? Well, they're a natural form of glucosamine and chondroitin, rich in omega-3 fatty acids. They have the traditional ones that fish oil have, the DHA and EPA, but it's the only one that has ETA. And ETA is a very special uh, fatty acid, and what it does is it lowers the level of cyclooxygenase, and cyclooxygenase 
is what incites inflammation. So it's got that extra oh, really? extra thing on there that helps uh, to not only reduce uh, joint problems, but reduce mm-hmm. pain at the same time. Mm-hmm. We have um, some freeze-dried um, green-lipped mussels, and they're from Northwest Naturals makes these. You can also find green-lipped mussels in a bunch of different treats, a bunch of joint supplements now coming in. Even powdered. Uh, Powdered green lipped mussels. Yeah, mm-hmm. one coming from the veterinary clinic. Oh, this one's got a, looks like it has some kind of a furry hanger on or something there. It's yeah. kind of furry a little bit coming out of there. Dogs the mussels inside and the shell um, is soft on these green lipped mussels. They're pretty stinky. So you know your dog's going to love that. Yeah, refresh. <laughs> They're for cats too. And I think this is a good treat for cats because, you know, obviously fish. Yeah, they, <laughs> both dogs and cats really go for them and, and uh, especially cats, because they they have a, a very keen sense of smell. They like their food to smell. They, they want it to be stinky. So oh, yeah. That's why cat food smells <laughs> a little worse than dog food. <laughs> I don't know. All right. If you have like a dog on NSAIDs, the most popular NSAID for animals is Rimadyl. So would green-lipped mussels help you ever get your dog off of an NSAID? Definitely. Um, with that extra omega-3 fatty acid with ETA, um, you're lowering inflammation, which definitely would help with pain relief. So you're going to lower the dependency on more traditional medications, but maybe even over time be able to go without them completely. Okay. Is this an allergy issue? Are these, I mean, I guess they're shellfish, right? Yeah. Um, Very, I mean, when we're doing bioscan technology, sometimes finfish and shellfish will come up uh, as, as a cell memory. Mm-hmm. And we have to clear that, but far and away, uh, extremely healthy, you know, because it's still, uh, you know, a natural, uh, it's coming from nature. Um, it hasn't been farmed to my knowledge, but uh, it's, yeah, they're being farmed. Now. Oh, they are being mm-hmm. farmed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those practices hopefully will be, will keep it as natural as possible. You know, I mean, when stuff like this gains popularity, so krill oil is gaining in popularity. So that's a huge thing that's coming out uh, there. You can get krill oil for your animal. You can get it for yourself. Now we're talking to green lipped muscle. But when you look at the environmental impact of taking the krill out of, you know, the ecosystem, and using that for humans, I mean, you're going to have to start farming it because that's completely not going to work in the ocean. So you're going to start killing off a lot of other things. Yeah, you're going to start depleting the ecosystem. And it's it's really important that the ecosystem be preserved because mm-hmm. uh, all those little creatures all up to the mega creatures basically are, are balancing each other out. So, um, you know, through the years, there's been a lot of problems when you get the habitat uh, messed up. You can see overload of populations of animals mm-hmm. and and weeds and and things dying all off. All sorts of things, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the green lip mussel does come from the coast of New Zealand. So obviously there's not going to be enough to support every species that really wants a green lipped mussel as a supplement. Um, when you farm something, um, you know, like the krill or in this case the green lipped mussel, is that as healthy as something that's found just naturally in the ocean for your pet? Well, it, it depends on what they're feeding them. If they can, if they can, uh, obviously nature, the animal can pick out not only the basic ingredients, but also the things that are important to them in nature, even a green lip mussel. 
So we do a very good job in, in putting together nutritional ideas that we think mm-hmm. they need, but there's probably those extra little ingredients that make the difference between something that's farmed and something that's natu- you know, raised in the wild. All right. Yeah. Some of the differences between the farmed and the wild mussels, the wild mussels can grow to 24 centimeters long. The farmed ones are about 10 centimeters long when they're harvested. And the farmed ones live on ropes in the water, so they're seeded onto ropes. Um, and then obviously the wild mussels would be on rocks and other mussels is how they live. But basically they kind of have the same food source. Uh, they are a food source actually for fish and sea stars and the larvae settle into seaweed. So um, it looks like, you know, they're trying to do their best, I think, on the farming of them. This was getting it pretty close and that's what's most important. Yeah, yeah. Getting as close as they can. So hopefully uh, the green-lipped mussels will help your pets. And just be on the lookout because there's plenty of stuff out there that, um, you know, supplements um, human and for animals as well. I don't know if anybody with a, you know, shellfish allergy should be, you know, taking something like this. But uh, anyway, so like a human. I know you you mentioned the dog stuff. So something definitely to watch out for. So some other things that we um, we're going to talk about today, lowering um, or using omega-3 fatty acids. So there's omega-3, 6, and 9. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these are really common in the vet clinic, and they're kind of used in the same way as the green-lipped muscle. Is that correct? Yeah, and it's it's very good for as an anti-inflammatory. Okay. Uh, very good for skin health. Um, it's used a lot in in dogs who have skin problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have to be careful though at higher levels. Why? Uh, because sometimes that can cause uh, gastrointestinal upset. Uh, they can have problems with blood clotting and even immune dysfunction at too high levels. So oh, they careful. can. So what would be a high level? Because, you know, when we get them, they come in this, like, jelly capsule. If you were to, you know, when you look at the label directions, probably where we get into problems is that we're not using a pet-specific product, that we're using something more over-the-counter for mm. ourselves. Natural guideline, a uh, small pet gets a quarter of a human dose. Medium size is a half of a human dose, large breed, three quarters, and then a giant breed, it would be a full human supplemental dose. That would be pretty hard because those things, you know, leak. Like if you cut the capsule in half, how would you know? So you do want to make sure that you're getting one that's So just do the pet dose. Right. Get a pet specific um, omega-3. There's differences in them. Do you want something that's organic or do they have that? Organic omega-3s? Yes, and you want to be sure that you're using a product that, and you can even source it mm-hmm. and make sure, you know, how is this, uh, you know, how is the fish oil obtained? If it was farm-raised, are we using non-GMO organic grains to mm-hmm. feed the fish? Are we, um, you know, is, is there anything there that we, that's been tested to make sure there's no contaminants in the fish oil? Mm-hmm. And especially mercury. Yeah, well, I was like just going to say, is mercury a problem? Well, it could be, I suppose, you know, because it, if, depending on the source of the fish oil and things like that. So, um, reputable sources, making sure that they're approved by the nutritional councils, that they've been tested to be mm-hmm. safe and healthy for pet and human consumption. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think the NASC is National Animal Supplement Council. Yes. Is an approval process. Um, 
and they have some guidelines. And if you can get one that has that approval, I think that's probably mostly what you would recommend, right? Yeah, safest bet. Mm-hmm. Or your veterinarian. You know, I talked to your veterinarians right, because we right. got... And the veterinary quality products are all good. So, you know, you're good if you're buying it in an animal hospital. Absolutely. Mm -hmm, Rather than just uh, hitting up Amazon. Um, We're going to talk a little bit today, too, about lowering your pet's blood sugar naturally. What's a blood sugar crash look like in a pet? Well, the the traditional thing is called stargazing because if the blood sugar drops too low, uh, the brain is mostly affected. And so the pet acts almost like they're having a seizure. They'll start to stiffen up. They'll actually gaze into the air or the sky, hmm. and their head will rock back and forth. Is it like and, a hypoglycemic attack or something? Right. Okay. Right. And that can happen um, if the pet is nutritionally imbalanced. Um, mm. Pets are starving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most commonly is if they got too much insulin if they're diabetic. Oh, really? Okay. All right. So is that high or low blood sugar? Low blood sugar. If they okay. get too much insulin, it lowers the blood sugar too oh, okay. low. okay. All know? right. And then so if they have really high blood sugar, how do they get that in the first place? And then what does that look like symptom-wise? What happens is the insulin receptors in the pancreas start to deplete mm-hmm. uh, neurohormonally. And so the pancreas is not producing enough insulin to move sugar into the cells. Mm-hmm. So the blood sugar spikes every time they eat. They can't mobilize all that sugar out of the, the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And so it, uh, it's a diuretic, so it makes them urinate more because they're pushing. If you can't get sugar into the cells, you've got to push it out somewhere. So it's pushed out through the urine. Oh. Uh, and that irritates the kidneys because you've got yeah. crystallization going through the kidneys and irritating the filters. Uh, it can cause high blood pressure, kidney failure, um, mm-hmm. all sorts of problems. There are some things you can do at home, though, to keep your pet from having a big spike in blood sugar. So, obviously, you'd want to more go with a diet that didn't have a lot of carbs. Right. Protein, uh, either high protein or high fiber. Mm-hmm. Uh, cats seem to respond better to a high protein, lower fat type diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, dogs seem to respond maybe to a little higher fiber diet, but... Both of those slow down the sugar going into the system. Uh, mm-hmm. Grains are very fast sugars, so they process very quickly in the gut, unless it's whole grain. Okay. Uh, and, and so if you fed them whole kernel corn, you're not going to get the biggest spike as you would if it was ground up into a kibble. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, a few things people could try at home. So berberine and cinnamon. Two really good ones. They're both natural. Um, very effective. Um, they can be um, most of the time non-prescription, but they you want to talk to your veterinarian if you're using these products, uh, if they are on insulin, because they will lower the blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have uh, similar effects when they work together uh, in binding the sugar and getting it out of the system. Uh, it also, cinnamon uh, reduces the development of high blood sugar by improving insulin sensitivity and the uptake of glucose into the muscle to be stored as glycogen for fuel for exercise. So it, it'll move it into the muscle uh, instead of into all of the other cells. It'll at least move it into the muscle, so it helps the lower it that oh, way. Oh, okay. Yeah. All righty. Spinach, leafy green-type vegetables, pumpkin. We're huge fans of pumpkin here anyway. Love it. Yeah, pumpkin's fantastic, It's and that's high-fiber. 
High fiber. High fiber. Um, Avocado, if you can get your pet onto that, is that safe for animals, for pets? Yeah, and, and, you know, you don't want to use too much of it. Okay. Because sometimes it'll cause upset. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, Olive oil, fatty fish, if you can give, what, just a little bit of fatty fish or something like that? Yeah, because you you don't want to set off pancreatitis, but at the same time, um, just a little bit of that as well can be very good for them. All right. And then there's also um, some products we carry by Bloom Products. Uh, Love these products. They've been around a long time. They're from Ohio. Um, And they contain chicory inulin. It's lowering the blood glucose response to food products with that. Um, Love the chicory inulin as part of a dietary fiber in uh, the that actually is in their probiotic yeah so very very good product mm-hmm. yeah love bloom products uh, yeah i love bloom products they're fantastic so you can look for chicory inulin in um, any kinds of products sometimes chondroitin uh, magnesium that kind of thing as well so um, just some few things for you to keep an eye on if you're thinking your pet is you know kind of getting a little bit older and may have some blood sugar issues especially after eating yeah right okay thanks for joining us today everybody again we want to thank our guest Dr. Barbara Royal she was a fantastic guest and she just knows so much she's a walking encyclopedia of holistic yeah, <laughs> of holistic medicine sure. yeah mm-hmm. all right okay um, anyway uh, thanks again for joining us today and we'll see you soon on awesome woo woo holistic fed advice thank you for listening this week to awesome woo woo holistic vet advice please join your host dr jim and Kristen carlson again next thursday morning at 8 a.m pacific time and 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel now go make some time with your best friend 